The Lord calls us to worship this morning from the book of Psalms, chapter 145. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. Amen. Father in heaven, the the great creator God who made all things, who created us for your praise and for your glory. We've gathered together today as your people, the church, that we might sing praises to you, that we might give all honor and glory from our hearts, lifting up the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. On this day, as we celebrate the birth of our Savior, we celebrate with joyful hearts, Lord. We pray that you would be with us by your spirit that you would pour out your spirit upon your people, that we might worship you in a pleasing way, in a way that offers up a sacrifice of praise that is acceptable in your sight, O Lord. And we pray now, joining our hearts together as your people, as one voice, saying the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in prison, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. This morning, for our confession of faith, we're going to be reciting together the Apostles' Creed. It's on page 845 in the green hymnal, if you would like to turn there. I'm going to begin by asking you, since it is a a confession of our faith, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, 
was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hear these words of assurance from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Amen. Let's continue to worship. Please turn in your green hymnal to number 208 as we sing together, O come all ye faithful.
may be seated. Typically at this time we would have a children's sermon, uh, but this morning we have the, the honor as a church family to welcome uh, four new members into our membership here who went through a, a new members class who came before the elders and gave their uh, testimony of love for the Lord Jesus Christ and being a part of his family by faith. So I'd like to welcome those who participated in the new members class to please come forward um, and we will be uh, hearing them take their membership vows. We're going to introduce them to you as full communing members in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning on Christmas Day. And would you mind saying, before we begin, would you mind saying your names out loud for us to hear? Katie. Katie. <laughs> Katie's been pretty excited uh, for a couple months for this. Danny. Danny Caldwell. Sarah Rambo. Helen is good. So these, these four folks are joining our church family today. And what a joy and a privilege as we think about God's covenant love. For families, as we gather together today in worship, I thought a good bit this Christmas season about God's love for families. As we think about the families represented here, there are three generations here in three of these families. What a blessing that the Lord puts His love and faithfulness on families. And as we will read later in the scriptures, that He sends forth the testimony of His greatness from one generation to the next. So, Danny and Miss Helen and Miss Sarah and Katie, I'm going to ask you now the membership vows to become a, a member here at Lebanon. And if you agree, please affirm with a hearty I do or yes. Okay? Do you acknowledge yourselves to be sinners in the sight of God, justly deserving His displeasure, and without hope, saved in His sovereign mercy? Yes. And number two, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God, and the Savior of sinners? And do you receive and rest upon Him alone for salvation, as He is offered in the Gospel? Yes. Number three, do you now resolve and promise, in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit, that you will endeavor to live as becomes a follower of Jesus Christ? Yes. Number four, do you promise to support the church in its worship and in its work to the best of your ability? And lastly, do you submit yourself to the government and discipline of the church and promise to promote its purity and peace? Well, I would like to extend to you symbolically the right hand of fellowship as members of Lebanon Presbyterian Church. And you are due all honor and love and affection. And it really was a joy and a privilege this last week when the elders met. The first thing that we did was pray for them and to meet with them. And we asked them these questions. And it's the first session meeting I've ever been to where someone brought us a plate of cookies. <laughs> but we enjoyed them, and it was a wonderful time. It was a, really a wonderful session meeting to, to see and behold um, truly the spiritual blessings that God has placed on our church family. And I say that with a smile, but with, with a choke in my throat. As I think about the goodness of God 
and the undeserved grace that He pours out on us. Let me pray for you. Father in Heaven, I thank You for this blessing today that we don't deserve, that You add to Your family, our family. Lord, we thank You and we praise You for Katie and Danny and Miss Helen and Miss Sarah. Lord, we thank You and praise You for the work of Your grace in their lives. And Lord, we thank You and praise You that they desire to be a part of the church family here as they expressed to the elders last Monday. They want to be members here. Lord, I pray that You would fill them with all joy and hope and grace in believing that as they grow in Christ here at Lebanon, that they would be a blessing to our body as they are already, but also that we would be a blessing to them that as we take vows to love one another, that we would do so with a cheerful heart. And Lord, I pray on this Christmas day that the Lord Jesus Christ would be highly exalted in their lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So next Sunday, we'll be celebrating the Lord's Supper, as I mentioned. And what a special Lord's Supper it will be for two of our covenant children who were born and baptized in the church and to now be full communing members, able to participate in the means of grace. What a blessing it will be as a church family. Thank you. This morning for our responsive reading, uh, please turn in your hymnal to number 825. We're going to be reading together Psalm 110. It does continue on to page 826. I'll begin with the light portion. Please respond out loud together with the bold. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. He will judge the nations, heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. Let's stand together and sing number 195, Joy to the World, the Lord has Come.
before our anthem this morning, we're going to have a pastoral prayer time and wanted to give you an update uh, because we prayed over the last couple of weeks for Brennan and Becca McCafferty, and they welcomed their baby into the world this past week. The Lord was gracious that she could carry the baby as long as she did. There were some complications, but He blessed their family, and they welcomed a new member, a covenant member of God's family in Cambodia. Praise the Lord. So we want to pray for them. And I also do want to pray for those in our church family. Maybe it's you or a loved one who are rejoicing today because it is Christmas Day, but who are also sorrowful because there are people who are not celebrating around the table and who are not sharing a seat on the couch. Let's pray together for one another and to rejoice in God's gift to the McCafferty's. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your work to bring us to yourself, that it was by your initiation and not ours, you took the first move that we might be part of your family. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you for those that you have added to our number today, that as we see your goodness and your faithfulness, we fall on our face before you as is right and cry out to you as the prophet Isaiah recorded, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for this Christmas day. We thank you for what it represents for our church family. And we thank you for what it represents to us individually. That we have been delivered from our sins because our Savior has come into the world. Because you have kept your promises and you did not let your word fall. Lord, we thank you and praise you for this Christmas day. We also thank you, Lord, for your grace in the lives of two of our missionaries that we support the McCafferty's, who were serving you in a foreign land and who had to deal with the thoughts of, should we have our baby here? Can we trust the Lord here that it will be okay to deliver? And you gave them wisdom and they stayed. They had complications, Lord, and yet you were faithful in the midst of those. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you for the grace in their lives as they welcomed another member of their family, of your family, this past week. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your grace in their lives. We pray that you would fill them with energy and with hope as they do their work in Cambodia. And Lord, we also pray that you would protect their baby, help it to grow and to grow up knowing the Lord, always hearing of the goodness of God and your faithfulness. And in your appointed time, Lord, may that baby cry out to you in faith that you are the God of heaven. Lord, we also think this morning as we have gathered And as we sit closely with one another on this Sunday morning, there are people who are not in the pew that we wish were. Not because they were providentially hindered, but because you have called them home. Lord, we grieve for those who are not here with us, our loved ones that we wish we could hug one more time. That we could say, I love you. And because of our humanity, because of our fallenness, we have to admit we don't even sometimes recognize their face in our in our memory anymore. We can't quite make out the sound of their voice. And Lord, we have a lump in our throat and a feeling in our chest of grief. And we bring that to you this Christmas day, knowing that you are a Savior who holds us in your hands. Lord, we grieve for mothers and grandmothers, for dads and grandfathers, for brothers or sisters. And Lord, in your providence, we also grieve for children who you have taken home. Lord, I pray for our church family that you would minister the gospel to our soul today. Help us to believe the truth that Jesus came 
to take that grief from us and to bear us up in it. Lord, I pray for those who are grieving today, that they wouldn't have to hide it, that they wouldn't have to shove it down because today is supposed to be a happy day. We live in a fallen world, Lord, and there is grief mixed with joy. May we rejoice as those who have hope because Jesus, our Savior, has come on Christmas Day. And Lord, I pray as we open your word in a few moments after the choir sings, I pray, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit upon your people, that we would hear your word and believe by faith the true gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. this morning to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. 
We're going to be reading together verses 46 to 55. The sermon this morning is entitled Mary's Song of Praise. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 55. This is the word of the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For He has regarded the lowly state of His maidservant. For behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is His name. And His mercy is on those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the imaginations of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich He has sent away empty. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to His seed forever. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. What a special blessing it is to be gathered together today as the Lord's church on Christmas Day. May we continue in the rest of our time together this morning to praise Him, Father and Son and Holy Spirit, for the blessed gift of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, coming into the world. I want to say welcome again to any family who may be visiting from out of town or those who are with us this morning visiting. What a joy it is to be together. And may the Lord Jesus Christ be lifted up in our hearts together. Our scripture passage today is a song that Mary lifted in praise to God. It exalts the mighty God of the covenant. The one who makes a covenant and who keeps it. Music is a wondrous gift of God. And I want to pause for a moment to think about the beauty of music. We have enjoyed over the last four weeks some of the richest melodies that the church has ever known. Last Sunday evening we celebrated the Love Gift program with our children, singing to us the Christmas story of the wondrous birth of our Savior. Last night we enjoyed in the Christmas Eve service beautiful hymns and selections from the choir and Miss Callie played in the bleak midwinter. What a blessing it is that God has given us the gift of music. And wouldn't you say that it it has the power, by God's grace, to transport us to another time and another place. When you listen to music, maybe a certain song, memories flood into your, your mind. You remember exactly where you were when you heard it, who you were with. And I think it's one of the wonders of Christmas that God gives us music. As a little boy, I learned the Christmas hymns. And as we sing them in the Christmas season, it is a wonderful thing. I remember my grandparents, who are no longer with my family. I remember those who taught me Sunday school and those who led choirs. What a blessing it is to remember and to be able to sing the Christmas hymns to our Savior. Music has a way of soothing our soul when words can't. It has a way of speaking to us in a way that we cannot describe. It uplifts our soul. It helps us in our weakness. Music is a gift of God. Johann Sebastian Bach said, I play the notes that are written, 
but it is God who makes the music. And that's true. It absolutely is true. This morning in our sermon, I'm going to reference several songs and hymns today. And these songs and hymns express the joyfulness of faith and hope in the purpose and the promises of God. And may God bless all of us as His church today. On this Christmas day with abundant grace, full of measure and overflowing by His Holy Spirit, that we would, as one family, the family of God, behold our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He has come into the world to save His people from their sins. This morning as we look at this song of Mary, that she burst forth in praise to God after she visited with her relative Elizabeth, I want to do so under three headings. The first, a servant worshiper. Number two, the mighty God. And number three, the returning king. So number one, the servant worshiper. Mary, we will maybe be reminded of it from last week. Mary surrendered her will to God. She had questions, I'm sure, when the angel Gabriel came to her and said, you will conceive by the power of the Holy Ghost. And when she asked, how will this be since I have never known a man? I am betrothed, but Joseph and I have not dishonored our families. And we have not dishonored God. How will I have a child? How is it possible? And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will do it. Almost as if that was enough. And by her will, by God's grace, Mary accepted what the angel Gabriel said to her. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, Mary said, Behold, I am the maidservant of the Lord. I surrender my will to you, Lord. Use my life. Maybe you remember the words of this hymn, Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Also in the spirit of these verses, another hymn, Take my life, Lord, and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. That's what Mary was saying. I am a servant of the Lord. Do with me what You will. And isn't it true that the Lord calls each of us to surrender our lives to Him that way? Isn't it true that that is the wonder of Christmas? That God would condescend to His people pour out His grace and say, I will work in your life. I will work in your family. I will change hearts. And He says, surrender your will to mine. I know what is best. Mary is a servant worshiper. In verses 46 and 47, she praises God. That's what this song is. It is a bursting forth of praise. She could not keep it in at all. It's a response of a sincere believer who has been taught the ancient Scriptures. This is the way education was done in ancient Israel. They would teach the children the Scriptures. They were to know them. It was part of their conversation, but it was also part of their education. It was the way they learned about this great covenant-keeping God. They would tell them the stories of Adam and Eve, of Moses in Egypt, of Noah. They would tell these stories so that they would know about the living God and the one to whom they were called to serve. And it's clear that Mary knows her Bible because she quotes from no less than five different Old Testament books in these short verses. And she calls on the name of the Lord and says, He is holy. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, it says, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. 
In Isaiah chapter 61, verses 10 and 11, it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul is joyful because He has clothed me with salvation. Just as a bridegroom adorns herself, adorns himself, and just as a bride adorns herself, the Lord has clothed me with righteousness. And she says, it's clothes I don't deserve and I couldn't earn. When Mary says, holy is the Lord, she is ascribing to Him holiness. She's describing Him as the one who should be infinitely lifted up by His creatures. He should be exalted. Above all of our creaturely wickedness and sin, God is separate. To be holy means that He is exalted over and over and over. In the hymn, Hallelujah, Praise Jehovah, we sing, and His glory is exalted three times in the refrain. And His glory is exalted. We repeat it. Maybe because of the Trinitarian view of worship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But also because in the repetition we are reminded that it is He who is to be exalted, the Savior, and not us. Wonder of wonders at Christmas that God would condescend to His people. Because Mary says that He, the covenant-keeping God, is the one who exalts the lowly. How does He do that? How is it possible? Why does He do it? Sinful people as we are. She's a servant worshiper. She says in this song, I cling to my Savior. He's my Savior. He's not just a Savior, one of many. He's not just one that's offered out in the culture as here's a way to to better your life. Here's a way to get what you want. Here's a way for people to love you. Here's a way for you not to be just a face. Not just a number. Not just a name on a page. This is how you get recognized. She says, no, He's my Savior. He came for me. Mary is an undeserving recipient of God's grace. She's not a bestower of it, as some might have us believe. Mary is not one that is a benefactor. She is a recipient of grace. She is a worshiper first. She is not to be worshipped. She is a sinner needing a Savior. And God honors her in a special way, in a way that no other human being will ever be able to claim, and no one ever has before her, that she carried in her womb the living God, the baby Jesus, the Savior of the world. You remember the the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, Tune My Heart to Sing Thy Grace, Streams of Mercy Never Ceasing, Call for Songs of Loudest Praise. Why did the hymn writer say, Tune My Heart to Sing Thy Grace? Because unfortunately it is true dear people of God, that as sinners, our hearts are tuned and hardwired to sing praise to us first and to want God off the throne, to want Him on our terms to say, this is how I'll have God in my life, or I'll give you Sunday, or I'll give you this part of my life, but you can't have the rest because actually, even though I might say that I believe you are God, I believe that I'm the King and I'm on the throne. Why did He say, tune my heart to sing Thy grace? Because unfortunately, even sometimes as we receive grace, we believe that somehow 
We must have received it because there was something in us that God saw. Some spark that caused Him to set special love on us. And yet the truth of Scripture is, the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is, that it is not that. It is that while we were yet sinners, the enemies of God who hated Him, Christ died for us. That's the truth. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It is grace upon grace. May He tune your heart this Christmas day to sing praise to Him. Christmas is what Mary proclaims. I am a sinner by nature. At the core of my being, I have an appetite for sin. And I love it. I am sick and need healing. I am broken and need to be fixed. Jesus didn't come to help His people. Jesus came to give dead people life. That's the beauty of Christmas. That's the glory of Christmas. If you don't know Jesus today, on Christmas Day, are you prepared to set aside some time in your heart and in your schedule to grapple with what Mary proclaims in this song? Not only is she a sinner, but you're a sinner. Are you prepared to bring your sin to Jesus and say with Mary, at the core of my being, I'm a sinner. The things that I do that are sinful are not just blips on the radar. They're not just mess ups and mistakes. There's actually something broken and wrong in my heart. And I love sin. And I hate Him. Are you willing to grapple with that on Christmas? May He give you the grace to do it. Number one, Mary is a servant worshiper. Number two, the mighty God. Mary is here proclaiming the truth of the doctrines of Scripture. She says that God is the divine warrior king. He restrains and conquers all his and our enemies. Westminster Shorter Catechism question number 26 asks, How does Christ execute the office of a king? It says that he does so by subduing all of his and our enemies, by protecting his people, by taking care of them. Psalm chapter 24 verse 8 says, Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. And I wrestled with this bit of the text this week, thinking about, okay, I'm reading this, Lord. And Mary seems that she believed this song to be true. But if you notice, she's saying all of these words about Jesus through God conquering, and she's saying them in the past tense as if it's something that took place years ago. Did Mary make a mistake or did Luke make a mistake when he recorded this? Why is it past tense? And the glorious truth of God's covenant promise is this, that when God promises it, it is as good as done. Take it to the bank. It is as good as done. It's significant for Mary because for generations of God's people and throughout the history of the Scriptures, There had been people who had oppressed and dominated the people of God. Foreign powers who ruled over God's people. They were oppressive and horrible and mean. And in some cases it was simply a racial, ethnic hating. And that's why God despises it so much, even in our own day. People who are respecters of persons and class and color and nation. 
It is an abomination in the face of God. What is it that is the great leveler among all people? It is the cross. All of us come needing grace. It doesn't matter what color, what your address is, who your family is, how much money you have in the bank. All of us come to Jesus needing grace. And nobody gets to say, you can't go. But that's exactly what was happening. In some cases, it was even built into the fabric of societies. As we read a few weeks ago in Luke chapter 1, verse 5, that this was happening in the days when Herod was the king of Judea. It meant something to Mary to say this. Because she watched her people being oppressed. She knew herself to be lowly because it was ingrained in her mind. We are the oppressed people. It was their identity. It's who we are. It belongs to us. And so when she says that God is the mighty one, the one who stretches out His arm, she is saying He is the one who's executing campaigns to remove kings and kingdoms and done by brute force if necessary. Think of Egypt and Pharaoh and what God did. Think of the flood. But He also works with precision. He does work that no one could do, that no surgeon could mimic, because He can cast down the proud in the imaginations of their hearts. He can remove oppressors and enemies of God's people. Wonder of wonders, He does that work in your heart and in mine. And she uses... Almost a rolling phrase, the proud, the powerful, and the rich, the opponents of Jesus and of God's purpose are portrayed in this group, the proud and the powerful and the rich, because they grasp for social respect and positions of honor that are gained by necessarily excluding the less fortunate people and the socially unacceptable. Why do you think Is there any other reason why when Jesus came, He was so upset with what had been accepted as the status quo among His people? Because there were those who had power and position and riches, and they were using it and the structures of the day, either by malicious intent or just simply by benign neglect. They were excluding other people. And Mary is saying, in the midst of that, Christ came. God is at work. I know He's at work because He's working in my life. Me, a lowly servant girl, no more than 15 years old, and the angel Gabriel was sent from the throne room of God to tell me that the Savior is coming. And if He's working in my home, then dear Israel, dear church, Mary is saying He's working in the world. Don't forget it. He's moving He's causing things to happen. He is moving forth His agenda. Lives and the entire social order are going to change. He will subvert them if He has to. And He will remove the structures that perpetuate false distinctions among people. He will come and do it for His glory, for the greatness of His name. But Mary also says that God is the merciful covenanter. Our great God who regards the lowly and who remembers and helps His people. It's significant that Mary uses this language lowly. It sometimes refers to the humiliation at that time for a woman to be barren, to be married and promised to a man, and then in the end to not be able to produce an offspring, to produce an heir for her husband. Not in this case. Not for Mary. 
She was not barren. God puts a baby in her womb before she even knows a man. But we read stories this Christmas season, this Advent season of women who cried out to God and God heard their prayer. He saw their lowly place because of their time. Lowliness refers to social misfortune and oppression. Think about it not as a place, the lowly estate of the servant of God, what she calls herself. But think of it as a mindset. I'm not meant for anything else. God's not going to do anything special in my life. I'm just an ordinary human being. I'm going to be the wife of a carpenter who will work in this village his whole life. And he will scrap and work hard and he will provide for our family, but we will never know comfort. We will never know abundance. We will never know what it's like to enjoy the riches of this life. But this is my lot in life and God has given it to me. I have no honor. And there's no way to get any. She took it as an identity. Nothing is going to change. And yet she says that this mighty God regards the lowly. To say that he regards is not, it's not enough to say that he takes note of them. He takes notice of them for a special purpose. He is about to pour out his surprising grace. What we should hear in this song of Mary is that God is about to do something so stupendous for his people that for generations it will be a signpost to say the living God still moves, he still acts, he is still faithful to his covenant. Mary is certainly experiencing this personally. Her life has been changed. But she is also expressing true belief that God is working on behalf of the true spiritual Israel that God made a covenant with long ago. That the lowly and the hungry He will provide for. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 and 6, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. This is the covenant-keeping God. He fills the hungry. He exalts the lowly. He is the keeper of His covenant. God is moving again. He's taking the initiative. Do you believe that about your salvation today? That God called you to Himself. He moved. He acted. You didn't decide for Jesus Jesus burst into your life and called you to Himself by irresistible grace. And He made you His, part of His family. And it says that He does this, that God is doing this at this particular time in Mary's life, at a time when Herod was the king in Judea. That in spite of the repeated opposition of men and women to the purposes of God, God still remained faithful, yet they were faithless to Him. What kind of opposition am I talking about? What is it that Mary is referring to? The oppression of people, for one. The obstinate pride in human hearts. Claims of power and wealth. Of real sinful actions and the nature of God's people. It's why we rejoice in Rock of Ages when Top Lady wrote... Of Jesus, be of sin the double cure. Save me from its guilt and its power. The Redeemer, Jesus Christ, came to defeat our sin. To make an end of it. That we might be made part of God's family. He didn't just come as a helper. He came as a Savior. 
Another song that I heard when I was in college, the lyrics say, Mighty yet merciful. Quoting from here in Luke chapter 1. Mighty yet merciful, how could it be? The high King of heaven extends grace to me. My sins were many. My merits were none. But you are the mighty, merciful one. That is our King. And lastly, point number three. That King is returning one day again. And I pray, dear church family, and I prayed this morning and I prayed this week, join Mary. Would you hear the chorus and join her in singing praise along with the church from every tribe and tongue and nation? Throughout every generation of the earth, God has set aside His people for His own pleasure. Rejoice with Mary in the wondrous gift of our Savior come in flesh. We believe that it happened. That He does regard the lowly. That He does fill the hungry. That the impossible... And we talked mostly this Advent season about the impossible of babies being born. The impossible for barren women being able to bear a child or for a virgin to be able to carry a baby to full term and deliver it. But do you believe, dear one, that the impossible is that just as Mary and just as Hannah and other mothers of the faith, just as God was able to do the impossible and put a baby in their belly, do you believe that God does the impossible today and that that's why you experience the grace of God? That the impossible was done for you. You who were a sinner. You who hated God. You who wanted nothing to do with Him. While you were a sinner, Christ died for you. And if you believe that to be true, then everything in you should well up and say, Rejoice! The Lord is King. It should pour out of your life. It should pour out of your heart. And I pray, dear ones, that there's nothing under the tree that captures your heart. And I know that sounds terrible in a way. But I pray that there's nothing that captures your heart like the love of your Savior. That He would condescend to you and to me. And lastly, I want to encourage you about this returning King. That you would refuse to give into a lie that our culture tells you today. And I mean this particularly for our young people and our teenagers and our young adults or Newly married families or those who might be married soon. Refuse to give in to the lie that the culture tells you. You can live your best life right now. And it's okay. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know Him as your Savior, the One who gripped you by His irresistible grace, and He is drawing you to Himself day after day after day, and He's pouring in your heart a desire to be in His Word, to worship with His people, to experience His grace, then this life is the best that there will ever be. This is the best it's going to get. But if you do, if you know the Savior, because He called you to Himself, then the best is yet to come. And nothing that you go through in this life, no sorrow, no sickness, no disease, will ever be able to take away the joy from your heart. Nothing. Hear these words from 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, concerning the word of life, 
The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard and we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. I pray, dear ones, your joy is full in the Lord this Christmas season. And may you not give in to the lies and the deceptions from the enemy and from others who might say these words that Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3. He said, I write to you the second epistle and I want to stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you be mindful of the words spoken by the holy prophets in the Scriptures. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the good day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. There is coming a day when God will come as the judge. And many today would say, live your best life now. God loves you. He wouldn't bring judgment on you. He wouldn't bring judgment for sinners. God is a a God of love and compassion and forgiveness. He absolutely is. He absolutely is. But He is also a God that will not be mocked. He will be worshipped. He is the Lord. He is the King. And I want to finish with some words from a beautiful Christmas hymn, Once in David's Royal City. For those of us who long to see heaven and who think about life in this world, this broken world filled with tears and sorrows, speaking of the Lord Jesus and our hope in Him. And our eyes at last shall see Him through His own redeeming love. For that child so dear and gentle is our Lord in heaven above. And He leads His children on to the place where He is gone. Not in that poor lowly stable with the oxen standing by. We shall see Him, but in heaven, set at God's right hand on high. Where like stars His children crowned, all in white shall wait around. You don't have to live your best life now, because the best that we could ever think or imagine is yet to come. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you for the truth of your word, for the salvation that you have poured out into our hearts by your grace and mercy. We cry out to you, hallelujah. Unworthy sinners, undeserved receiving your grace. We thank you and praise you for this Christmas day. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and sing as we respond to God's word. Hark the herald angels sing, number 203.
seated as we take an offering to the glory of God. thank you for being able to return now to you in our tithes and in our offerings, a portion of what you have so richly poured out on us. And Lord, may we say by faith as we give that we are so thankful for all that you have blessed us with, and that as a statement of faith and hope in your provision, that we believe we can give and give cheerfully, because it is you that fills us with all good things. We thank you and praise you, Lord Jesus, and ask that you would use our tithes and our offerings to spread the glory of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ throughout all this land. In Jesus' name, amen. Christmas and receive the benediction of our Lord. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.